This episode is brought to you by the insurance agent I use for my own business, Doug Lynch, and his broker, Tracy Deerfelt, with the Nationwide Contractors Alliance. In the last year, I got to know Doug and Tracy as they were consulting for me on some questions I had for my own company. And after more than a decade in the business, I can confidently say I didn't even understand half the equation when it comes to general liability insurance. I'm confident, actually, that very few builders do. I had some big gaps in my understanding and even more in my coverage. Now, this is a risk-heavy business, and you can't leave everything you've built, no pun intended, to chance. Make sure you have good protection. Make sure you have reliable protection, and make sure the agents you work with have your back. Doug and Tracy are by far the best I've found in the business, or I wouldn't use them myself. They assessed my particular business, built me a customized plan around it, and now, of course, I sleep better at night as a result. Visit douglaslynch.com and nwcalliance.com to learn more about how insurance and other solutions can really work for builders. We've got Tracy Durfelt back on the show today for round number two. Tracy was on episode number 39 a few months back, and he was talking to us about uh, a high-level discussion of general liability. That discussion, surprisingly, is probably of a lighter nature than our discussion today, and that is uh, a discussion over coronavirus and its impact on builders. Uh, Tracy is uniquely positioned to speak on it because in addition to being an industry leader active in NAHB in multiple levels as a leader, uh, he also has the uh, Nationwide Contractors Alliance out of Washington. Uh, they work nationally and he also has a wise insurer. He is additionally uh, our current sponsor for our episodes. So you've probably heard his name beginning of each of our podcast episodes multiple times now. Um, Tracy comes on today. He's got a handful of very good ideas that I encourage people to uh, soak in in this time that is obviously pretty difficult for a lot of people. Anyway, um, we'll get to it. I hope everybody is doing well, weathering this storm. Uh, this is going to pass and, and we got brighter days ahead. So anyway, enjoy the episode. All right. So Tracy, we are back for officially round two, but, uh, as our, our listeners do not know, um, we had a little technical snafu last night and you're a good sport and we're having to redo this conversation. So we're back. Um, topic is, of course, the coronavirus and its impact on us as builders in our industry. So I'm going to hand this over to you because uh, you're in the trenches as well. Right now, you're seeing what's going on. And I'd like to get a little, little insight from you right now on what you're seeing. Well, what we're seeing is uh, varying degrees of uh, human reaction. Um, and uh, we're seeing uh, people that are scared. We're seeing people that are being foolish and everything in between. Uh, government action uh, is varying all over the country. 
um, and the economics of what we're doing uh, is better than it was in 2008 through 2010 thus far as the construction industry goes. But I think uh, the best advice I have, um, given what I see here south of Seattle, is to use the three rules of, of calm and caution. Um, the first rule I use is make sure that I myself am calm. And that takes work. It's not something that you can just say, okay, I'm calm today. You have to check in periodically through the day to say, hey, am I getting caught up in the tizzy, the hysteria, the panic? And then what tools do I have? And we can talk later about that. But what tools do I have that can help me with my mood and my emotional disposition? Um, the number two, two rule is don't make any business or, or permanent decisions with people who aren't calm. Uh, you're either going to add to their hysteria or it will add to yours. And many times uh, during disasters, which this is one, uh, we have to be very careful about who we choose to interact with, um, both superficially for our own mental health, but also uh, with any substance, we have to be very careful um, because many bad decisions can be made if either party is is uh, not calm. Third rule is always to have time on your side. And that rule works just fine in regular circumstances too. And uh, I learned this as a perspective um, about 15, maybe 20 years ago. I had an occasion to learn from one of the original 80 students of a, a martial art called Aikido. And it was invented at the turn of the other century. And this very old man uh, had come not to do a demonstration, but to discuss perspective. And he said, sometimes days are bad. And many times it's like a large stone in the middle of a river. And the uh, water is rushing into your eyes. Uh, things are hitting you in the head. And you don't understand why. The answer is simple. You stand up. You turn 180 degrees. Sit back down. And look downstream as the sticks and twigs and leaves gently roll by and we'll watch them go down the river. So having time on your side is a biggie because right now people are creating their own deadlines or artificially creating them for others. And we need to really understand what's real in our own lives, not just what people want us to think. And so that, that challenge of perspective is, is just as important and can only be done when you're calm. So those are my three rules of calm and caution. We've got a lot of specifics we can talk about to the construction industry, but that won't matter if whoever's listening to this podcast is hysterical, right? Sure. Well, yesterday when you and I were talking, you mentioned something that is worth throwing in here before we get into the, the specifics with building. And that is that there's a lot of misinformation out there on, on a lot of different points. And you mentioned something about how actually the HBA, I, the local HBA or a local HBA here in Texas sent out an email with misinformation. Can you talk on that a little bit? It wasn't complete information. Um, it basically said that job sites can't have more than 10 workers on them. And that's not true. Uh, the OSHA guidelines in Texas uh, is under the federal OSHA. 
uh, says that you can't have confined spaces with 10 people in them uh, that aren't otherwise uh, socially distant, um, more than 10 people. And so they used examples of a toolbox talk for safety. Just do them 10 at a time. But when you look at a job site, typically you're dealing with uh, open air situations. And even if not so, you're not proximate to the other subs, trades, or labors involved. And so that was premature and incomplete advice. Um, my organization, the uh, Nationwide Contractors Alliance, Monday is going to send out more specifics about um, how uh, the 10 or more rule works on job sites. Uh, and my state here in Washington, by the way, is falling in line. They're an OSHA affiliate state or a chartered state. So they may have more guidelines, but in, in this case, they're, they're following OSHA on this as well. The other thing I wanted to add is, and this wasn't a point of miss or incomplete information necessarily, but um, we need to, as an industry, make sure the state that we're in knows that construction is considered an essential business by federal law. So uh, if you're in a state that otherwise tells you that you can't go to work on the job site, wrong, federal law trumps that, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Good to, good to know. And that's something that a lot of us, I don't think, do know. So thank you for that information. Let's jump in now to talk about the, uh, some of the effects on, on builders. Um, perhaps we start with, with insurance because you and I were also talking about that. What, how is this going to impact uh, insurance specifically? Well, I'm going to start with claims side okay. um, and then and we'll work into the business matters. The claim side, some builders, uh, especially if they're going to be uh, proximate or near their customers, are going to be worried about accusations of them giving uh, a customer coronavirus and thereby causing bodily injury. And is that covered? It's not. Um, most every liability policy uh, in the marketplace today has a uh, virus or bacteria exclusion or a communicable disease exclusion. Uh, the, one of those two endorsements is going to be on the liability program. So be extra careful. Um, pick your customers carefully so you're not you know, trying to do too many remodel jobs for, for the attorney next door. But um, when you also look at picking your customers, if you see um, in your organization as a, as a contractor or a builder, no testing process, no uh, type of plan as to how you're going to moving forward in the next months or years uh, occasionally test for a, a coronavirus you need to be sensitive about for example working in a uh, old folks <laughs> you know you, you may want to have a, a special process that contemplates what has changed uh, in our country in our world today uh, so that you can at least demonstrate effort to um be cautious uh, and not go into uh, high risk areas as far as people who are at high risk for this particular pandemic uh, without a care. I mean, you have to demonstrate care. Um, the other aspect of insurance I think we talked about was uh, adjusting your policies um, before audit. Was that right? That's right, yes. Yeah. And what I mean by that is. Uh, um, you and I are going to talk about how to 
how to create options so that the construction business that we're all in uh, doesn't falter too badly off of what we were projecting. But some of us may have had uh, or may have projects that were pending financing that will be held up. Uh, some of us may have projects uh, that really depended on uh, circumstances that may not exist after the next month. Um, so it's you'd want to look at something specific, or you may have projected with your, your policies, work comp and, and general liability, a pretty great year because of the trajectory we were on in your geography, uh, you know, two months ago. Well, just rethink about things, and some policies will let you, um, or some insurers, not the policy itself, but some insurers will let you change those projections before audit. Um, and that may give you some economic relief. Um, that's not a contractual obligation of the insurer, but uh, I do feel that uh, if you were substantially off in your projections based on, again, a project that fell through or some other circumstance related to the, uh, the COVID-19 or coronavirus, I think there'll be a sympathetic ear with some carriers. I can't tell which ones are who. We'll all find out in the next number of months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to hit on a few other things before we, uh, before we go. Um, we also were talking and I want to make sure that our listeners start thinking about these, these kinds of things. Um, some changes in the capital environment and you with some of your projects are actually, uh, uh, very attuned to that. So you, can you talk to us about some of your opinions on what's happening in the capital environment with regards to private funding versus banks? Well, again, I, you know, there's different types of people that pop out of the woodwork during times of stress like this, and the vultures are one of them. What we've seen already is uh, private equity, uh, corporatized private equity, large firms, um, large underwriting firms are basically saying, hey, we should be able to um, get better terms. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, your loan to value requirement may get jacked up or your interest rate may get jacked up or you may not have as long to pay it back. They're going to try to mitigate perceived uh, risk uh, given the circumstances uh, in, in taking the terms you'd otherwise have and making them worse. Uh, this is where we all need the phone uh, network if you don't already know somebody who's got deep pockets and start creating options because where that person may have jumped out because of the low interest rate environment that we're in and uh, in the last five years money has become more available we may be going back to those those times in in 2010 2011 where uh, hard money is, is applicable and you want to create those options and then price them into what you're doing um, and uh, make sure that you're not losing money as a result. That's creating options in the financial side. Um, I will say one good thing. Uh, it's a dark way of looking at a good thing. With the Huge shift in our economy that's going to result from this. I mean, I don't know about you, Jared, but do you think we're going to go out to the bar next month? Do you think we're going to have fine dining in two months? You tell me. Yes? No? You know, honestly, I have, I have no clue uh, on, on what things are going to look like in a month or two. I would, I would venture to say that it's very improbable. 
at right. this point. Well, I mean, you and I both have to look at Italy as a, an example of what happens when you try but not try hard enough as a country. Yep. It's getting worse. Yeah. So uh, then South Korea might be a better example. And China is draconian but seems to be doing better. Yeah. So our country, I think, is taking a, a middle-of-the-road approach, certainly more seriously than some countries and working its way towards something much, much more serious. But it's not going to happen in a couple of weeks. Um, so we will have displaced people from the uh, food and uh, lodging and travel industries uh, looking for jobs. And many of them, uh, servers, for example, or bartenders who were reliant on tips to make 50 to 70 grand a year in, in some of our, our metro areas, are really going to have to find out how to you know, maintain that kind of income doing something else. And where I was going with this is our labor pool opportunity in construction may actually benefit from this because other industries are going to give up their workers and, and they aren't coming back in the near term. No one's going to suddenly, you know, whip up the disco ball and, and uh, disco ball and, and, and serve tequila uh, come July 1. I don't think it's going to happen that quick. And so they're going to be looking for income long before uh, there will be relief uh, to to that in, those industries. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. There, there is always opportunity in just about any situation. Um, I think right now it's a little, a little early to know exactly what all of the different opportunities will be. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant to even mention that right now because there is a lot of suffering going on. But um, the fact of the matter is that, uh, that there will be, and hopefully, hopefully the suffering will come to an end sooner than, than later. Um, In some degree. Yeah. (laughs) What, uh, what else Tracy to, to wrap this up, what are we leaving off? What are we forgetting here? Well, we forgot about materials and I mean, we're going to see clearly a slowdown in the economy, not necessarily something that's going to affect construction like it used, it did before, but it's still going to affect people are getting mortgage relief. Uh, uh, people are getting uh, lower interest rates. So I think demand, uh, we may experience a 90-day hiccup or so, but I think demand will resume uh, to outstrip supply. I also feel that people will want new homes for fear that the old homes, uh, given coronavirus, isn't going to go away in a couple of weeks. It'll still be you know, floating around. We'll just have to deal with it differently. Yeah. Uh, existing homes are going to be uh, frowned upon more so. So I, I think there is some opportunity, but we have to think it through as a construction industry, uh, to, to, to figure out how to adapt. And if we don't uh, choose to adapt, then we're a victim of our own. And so what ways are there to adapt? Also, um, keep an eye on, on material costs. I, I'm willing to bet that there's going to be some savings there uh, coming up. Um, uh, assuming supply chains uh, don't uh, fail. So there's possibilities we just have to look for and be careful of. Yeah. I already got an email from a potential client who's a financial analyst at uh, 
the retirement system. And so he's, he's seeing a lot of things and he was saying, I don't, I don't want to misquote. I don't want to add to the misinformation out there, but he, he, he said, take this with a grain of salt that lumber prices are projected to drop 35% in the very near future. So again, I, I need to check my sources on that, et cetera. But that was one thing that I did hear from a financial analyst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then transportation's intact as well. Yeah. Um, as you know, I serve on the uh, Construction Liability Building Materials Committee at NEHB. I'm not speaking for NEHB, but I, I do keep an eye on um, cost of materials. It's part of my part of my role. And I agree with your analyst, but I just don't know by how much. Um, again, supply chain interruption uh, it can involve uh, the virus shutting down workers at the mills that are involved if they're not careful. Uh, or the transportation sector. So we may have inventory that can be brought down in price, but the ability to sustain uh, a price reduction will be dependent on, the, again, the supply chain, just like anything else. Yeah. Well, there we are. I hope all your listeners, um, again, just adopt a calm attitude and insist upon it with others. And, uh, and again, gain perspective. Uh, as to time being on their side if they choose it to be so. Yeah. Great advice, Tracy. As always, I appreciate your your time and uh, uh, hopefully our listeners listeners will be, uh, be a, a little more enlightened after this as well. So thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Bye-bye.